You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Texts must be interpreted in life-giving ways within communities that prioritize the voices of the most vulnerable in our society. These communities welcome and affirm and include each of us in God's vision of, of love and justice for society. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 320, and our title this week is New Wine in Old Wineskins, part one of a, a two-part podcast series. Today is Good Friday, and with Easter uh, just upon us, and in the context of everything that's going on in our world uh, right now, I just want to remind us that the Jesus story, and specifically Easter, it isn't about dying. Uh, I know the story includes uh, Jesus' death, uh, but it's 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 about those things that instead have the power to to overcome death. Things like uh, the golden rule, treating others the way that, that we would like to be treated, or cooperation and and sharing uh, when we have more than what we need. Sharing with those who who don't have enough. It's about loving one another, e- even loving our, our enemies, and and it's about living uh, nonviolently. Uh, these are the things that that in the Jesus story uh, we they have the power to to reverse or to undo to overcome uh, the interruption of Jesus's execution by a, a powerful few who who were benefiting from an unjust society these are the things of resurrection these are the things that overcame uh, Jesus's uh, death. And I know that right now the news and, and, and things that are going on around us, they can be pretty scary. Uh, if we have any hope, any hope at all, our hope is in, according to this story, our hope is in living out these things that are life-giving in the face of, of things that are, are very scary right now. We here at RHM, I want to share uh, our hearts are with those who, who are suffering and those who maybe have lost someone they love. The loss of human life, our friends, family, even those we don't know but are also connected to us as part of our humanity is, is painfully tragic. And a pandemic, it provides a unique moment for us to critique our present order or our present system and to begin both dreaming up and and working toward a better way of organizing human communities that are shaped by justice and equity and inclusion, compassion for everyone. In the Gospels, we find a relevant metaphor for this process, and that that brings me to this week's podcast. Uh, the Synoptic Gospel authors, they use the metaphor of new wine being placed in old wineskins. In Luke's gospel, we read in Luke 5, 36-39, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece of new garment, a piece from a new garment, and sews it on to an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn 
and the peace from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new wine, but says, the old is good. Over the next two weeks, I want to explore this process a little bit. We'll begin with, with Jesus' social vision and, and his cooperative ethical teachings. And there are two ways that I often see folks responding to Jesus and his ethical teachings today when something that he taught uh, challenges their, their present paradigm. The first is, is continuity. Uh, in, in other words, they say that Jesus is not re- really bringing anything new to the table. If his teachings seem new to us, it must mean that he's correcting a, a present-day application of, of old ethics. And, and this view gives the, the biblical narrative uh, an unchanging quality. Jesus' ethics then belong to a consistent whole or a seamless narrative. And on the surface... This view gives some privileged folks a sense of security, but this approach, it becomes problematic with scriptural passages that have been used to justify oppression. Those who have had the Bible used to to marginalize or exclude them, and I'm thinking specifically of women and the LGBTQ community, or to enslave and, and... or even eliminate them, like indigenous populations, black people, or, or other people of color. They find that this approach simply does not work. Bible-believing Christians in the southern region of the United States in the late 19th century, remember, they believed there was nothing wrong with owning other human beings as property. And if we use the continuity lens, the best we can ever get from Jesus is a pat on the back that now we have it all right, or a, or a, basically it's just a tune-up of, of our already smoothly running theological systems. Never do we become fundamentally different. The Bible or God simply justifies our already present dysfunctions. I want you to notice three things about the passage that we just read in Luke's gospel. First, the piece torn from the new garment, it's incompatible with the old garment. And second, new wine doesn't work in old wineskins. It bursts the old skin and you lose the new wine. And third, Jesus was lamenting that when faced with an alternative, faithful, Jewish interpretation of the God of the Torah, the elites in his society preferred interpretations or or old wine that justified their privilege and their position of power and their their marginalization and exploitation of others that were less centered in, in their society. Remember, it says, "No one who is accustomed to aged wine says the new is better." So, so, so take a moment and dream what a world that that operated in harmony with the values of cooperation and and love and compassion and inclusion, justice. What, what, What a world like that would look like compared both positively and negatively. 
with our current system. And, and I want to add a word of caution here. It's not life-giving to interpret this passage as if Christianity is the new wine and Judaism is the old. That interpretation has, has led to Christians committing incalculable damage to our Jewish friends and neighbors. Jesus was <clears throat> not a Christian, remember. He was a Jew. And his teachings were not anti-Semitic, and they weren't pitting Christianity against Judaism. Rather, they offered an alternative way to interpret the Torah within Judaism. The voice of Jesus that we discern in the Synoptic Gospels especially was one of many in Judaism describing what it meant to be faithful to, to the Jewish God of, of the Torah. And this leads me to the second way that we can understand Jesus and his ethical teachings when they challenge our favorite paradigms that, that may be rooted in other biblical texts. I want you to consider these passages for an example. The first one is Deuteronomy 23, 1 through 6. No one who's, who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. No Ammonite or Moabite or any other descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. And then we come to Isaiah, the, the, the book of Isaiah, and someone calls call this uh, third Isaiah, Isaiah 56, 3 through 7. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So how do we harmonize that with what we just read back in Deuteronomy? There's no way to harmonize these two passages using the, the previous continuity lens that I described. And notice too that, that neither of these passages, neither of them pit Jesus against Judaism. These are two Hebrew passages that, that seem to contradict even before we get to Jesus in the Gospels. So how can we read these sacred texts and others in the Gospels when we run into discontinuity uh, like this? Well, we don't have to ignore problematic texts. We can be honest about their existence first. Some texts, they can be reclaimed uh, through new interpretations, but a few others, and I, I've, I've found uh, they can't. There are texts that, that support injustice, misogyny, slavery, war, capital punishment, uh, the conquest of indigenous peoples and lands, persecution of Jewish people, the dehumanizing of LGBTQ people. Uh, we have to begin by just being honest about these passages. But we, we must also hold intention that our goal is to interpret all sacred texts in life-giving ways. Some passages are easier to interpret that way. And in the Gospels, Jesus modeled using these passages 
to combat destructive passages and destructive interpretations. An example it would be in Mark 12, 24 through 16, if you want to, to, to look there. But he, he didn't ignore destructive passages. He didn't ignore destructive interpretations. He, he, he met the elite's use of these passages and, and interpretations with others that, that contradicted them and turned them to life-giving ends. So when we can see our sacred text is not a flat book with all passages being equal, but but as a narrative, a story over millennia with the, the end goal of liberation and survival and reparation and restoration and healing, then we can begin to hold problematic texts in tension with the overall arc. We, we, we can be honest about problem texts and how they relate or out of place with the text as a whole. Texts that oppress or that exclude, those should be contrasted with texts that teach the themes of, of love and compassion and equity, inclusion, and, and, and justice. And in this approach, we push texts that teach oppression and exclusion, we push those to the margins. And, and the texts that teach love and compassion and equity, inclusion, and justice, th those become more normative. Those become central to the life of a person following uh, Jesus. When we teach this approach, we open ourselves to a Jewish practice of embracing the reality that within our text, we find uh, the voice of love and justice mixed with the voice of, of the writer's own pain and the writer's own brokenness. The writer's voices, they can be mistaken sometimes as the voice of, of the divine. The writers, though inspired, they were also human. And, and sacred texts are a mixture of, of love and brokenness, love and, and high ideals incarnated in the writer's own brokenness. Sometimes the writer cannot distinguish between their own brokenness and need for healing and their own perception of, of the voice of God. And we have to ask, what caused text to be written the way they were? We must also be honest about the distance between our own culture and the cultures of the biblical authors, as well as the distance uh, between various cultures of the Bible. Even some more problematic texts can be more life-giving when we see them in their, their own cultural uh, context. So how do we discern where a passage is the outgrowth of authors' brokenness or, or rooted in, in life-giving love, justice, and, and healing? And, and this, in my opinion, is the most important guideline in reading our sacred text. We must interpret text in community, but, but, but not just any community, a varied, diverse community where our differences are, are celebrated. When we do this, we realize that we're all equal and our experiences at the same time are very different. People who live in different social locations, they experience life in society differently. And these experiences determine the questions we ask of our sacred texts and the answers that we can find in them. Texts 
must be interpreted in life-giving ways within communities that prioritize the voices of the most vulnerable in our society. These communities, they practice a, a preferential option for the marginalized, and they see every human as bearing the divine, the image of the divine, and 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 and, and welcome and affirm and include each of us in God's vision of of love and justice for society. When interpretations cause harm, when we discover that from, from someone in the community that, that an interpretation is harming them, that, then we can make those interpretations give way to more life-giving interpretations. And again, some problematic text can be reclaimed, while others may be unreclaimable now, even if they may be be reclaimed in the, in the future. I'll close with two examples just for you to contemplate that I consider to be examples of the gospel authors who are wrestling with and contrasting old wine and new wine in their own Jewish context. The first one is in Matthew 5, 38 through 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And then in Matthew 5, 43 through 44, uh, if you, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. In the Gospels, Jesus challenged his listeners to bend their sacred text and interpretations along an arc that leads to love, justice, equity, inclusion, compassion, and life. And today, I believe that we can do the same. Heart Group application this week, what are some problem passages in your sacred text or interpretations of your sacred text that, that you've had to reclaim or find new interpretations for. Uh, share those with, with your group. And number two, from your time of imagining what our world could look like uh, if it were different, sh share with the group one of the ways you wish our present system in the U.S. was different. And then number three, what are some ways that you as a heart group can work toward making our world a safer, compassionate, just home for everyone this week? Then pick something from the discussion and begin putting it into practice. Thanks for checking in with us right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. Stay well, and if possible, stay home. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.